When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Law School of America. In personam is a Latin phrase meaning against a particular person. In a lawsuit in which the case is against a specific individual, that person must be served with a summons and complaint, E and W known as particulars of claim, CPR 1999, to give the court jurisdiction to try the case, and the judgment applies to that person and is called an in personam judgment. In personam is distinguished from in rem, which applies to property or all the world instead of a specific person. This technical distinction is important to determine where to file a lawsuit and how to serve a defendant. In personam means that a judgment can be enforceable against the person wherever he or she is. On the other hand, if the lawsuit is to determine title to property, in rem, then the action must be filed where the property exists and is only enforceable there. In rem jurisdiction, power about or against the thing, is a legal term describing the power a court may exercise over property, either real or personal, or a status against a person over whom the court does not have in personam jurisdiction. Jurisdiction in rem assumes the property or status is the primary object of the action, rather than personal liabilities not necessarily associated with the property. United States. Within the U.S. federal court system, jurisdiction in rem typically refers to the power a federal court may exercise over large items of immovable property, or real property, located within the court's jurisdiction. The most frequent circumstance in which this occurs in the Anglo-American legal system is when a suit is brought in admiralty law against a vessel to satisfy debts arising from the operation or use of that vessel. Within the American state court systems, jurisdiction and REM may refer to the power the state court may exercise over real property or personal property or a person's marital status. State courts have the power to determine legal ownership of any real or personal property within the state's boundaries. A right in rem or a judgment in rem binds the world as opposed to rights and judgments in ter partes which only bind those involved in their creation. Originally, the notion of in rem jurisdiction arose in situations in which property was identified but the owner was unknown. Courts fell into the practice of styling a case not as John Doe, unknown owner of, property, but as just ex party, property, or perhaps the awkward state v, property, usually followed by a notice by publication seeking claimants to title to the property. See examples below. This last style is awkward because in law, only a person may be a party to a judicial proceeding, hence the more common in personam style, and a non-person would at least have to have a guardian appointed to represent its interests, or those of the unknown owner. The use of this kind of jurisdiction in asset forfeiture cases is controversial because it has been increasingly used in situations where the party in possession is known, which by historical common law standards would make him the presumptive owner, and yet the prosecution and court presumes he is not the owner and proceeds accordingly. This kind of process has been used to seize large sums of cash from persons who are presumed to have obtained the money unlawfully because of the large amount, often in situations where the person could prove he was in lawful possession of it, but was forced to spend more on legal fees to do so than the amount of money forfeited. Examples Some examples of in rem cases United States v. 422 casks of wine, 1828, an early 19th century example. United States v. 43 gallons of whiskey, 1876, case involving sale of unlicensed alcohol on Indian lands. United States v. 40 barrels and 20 kegs of Coca-Cola, 1916, brought under the Pure Food and Drug Act, 1906, 
against, not the Coca-Cola company itself, but rather 40 barrels and 20 kegs of Coca-Cola. United States v. 95 barrels alleged apple cider vinegar, 1924, early food and drug administration case. United States v. 1 book called Ulysses, the landmark 1933 ruling by John M. Woolsey that James Joyce's novel had sufficient literary merit to overcome its obscene portions. Upheld on appeal as United States v. 1 book entitled Ulysses by James Joyce. United States v. 1 package of Japanese pessaries, 1936, a case involving contraceptives Margaret Sanger attempted to import, heard by the Second Circuit. United States v. 11 and one-fourth dozen packages of articles labeled in part Mrs. Moffat's shoefly powders for drunkenness, 1941 Marcus v. Search Warrant, 1961, full title Marcus v. Search Warrant of Property at 104 East 10th Street, Kansas City, Missouri. An unusual in REM case heard by the Supreme Court where the named object was not the seized property but the warrant under which it was seized. Since all the government agents involved were indisputably acting within the law as it stood, the only way for the petitioner to challenge the constitutionality of the seizure was to name the search warrant itself as defendant. United States v. 1 solid gold object in form of a rooster, 1962 United States District Court case determining that statues made of gold are legal to own under the Gold Reserve Act. Quantity of Books v. Kansas, 1964 U.S. Supreme Court case holding seizure of allegedly obscene materials unconstitutional without prior hearing to determine obscenity. 1. 1958 Plymouth Sedan v. Pennsylvania, 1965, case in which the U.S. Supreme Court held that the exclusionary rule prevents the forfeiture of material seized in cases where the Fourth Amendment was violated. Memoirs v. Massachusetts, case involving Fanny Hill, heard by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1966, full title, a book named John Cleland's Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure, et al. v. Attorney General of Massachusetts United States v. 37 Photographs, an obscenity forfeiture case heard by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1971. United States v. 12 plus 200-foot reels of film, a case very similar to the above heard by the Supreme Court two years later. United States v. article consisting of 50,000 cardboard boxes more or less, each containing one pair of clacker balls, 1976. Held that the seizure provisions of the Federal Hazardous Substances Act do not violate the Due Process Clause. United States v. 50 Acres of Land, 1984 U.S. Supreme Court case involving eminent domain, holding that cost of replacement for taken property does not have to be calculated in its fair market value. United States v. 1 Lucite Ball containing lunar material, 1 moon rock, and 1 10-inch by 14-inch wooden plaque, 2001 RMS. Titanic, incorporated v. the wrecked and abandoned vessel, RMS Titanic, 2002, here distinguishing between plaintiff, company, and object, of the same name, in full the case also named persons as defendants, and identifies the object more precisely as the wrecked and abandoned vessel, its engines, tackle apparel, appurtenances, cargo, etc., located within 1, 1, nautical mile of a point located at 41 degrees 43 32 inches north latitude and 49 degrees 56 49 inches west longitude, believed to be the RMS Titanic, in REM. United States v. $124,700 in U.S. currency, 2006, an asset forfeiture case based on drug law. United States v. approximately 64,695 pounds of shark fins, 2008. Asset forfeiture case under the Shark Finning Prohibition Act of 2000. South Dakota v. 15 impounded cats, 2010 United States v. 1 Tyrannosaurus batar skeleton, 2013. The case was brought to stop the sale of a dinosaur skeleton that had allegedly been looted from the Gobi Desert in violation of Mongolian law. United States v. 450, 
450, Ancient Cuneiform Tablets, 2017. The Hobby Lobby smuggling scandal started in 2009 when representatives of the Hobby Lobby chain of craft stores received a large number of clay bullae and tablets originating in the ancient Near East. Nebraska v. 1972 Door Sedan Rambler, Gremlin, Canada. Canadian examples of in rem tend to involve admiralty law. The Canadian Parliament has exclusive authority to legislate for navigation and shipping under Section 9110 of the Constitution Act, 1867. The Federal Courts Act gives the federal court jurisdiction over these matters, and it may be exercised in rem against the ship, aircraft or other property that is the subject of the action, or against any proceeds from its sale that have been paid into court. The jurisdiction of the federal court in admiralty matters applies to all ships and aircraft, regardless if the owners are Canadian, and to claims arising on any naturally or artificially navigable waters, and in the case of salvage, cargo and wrecks found on the shores. Under the Act, the jurisdiction of the federal court under Section 22nd of may be exercised in personam as well, except in cases of collisions between ships. In that case, Section 43.4 of the Federal Courts Act applies. It states actions may only be commenced in federal court if the defendant has a residence or place of business in Canada, the cause of action arose in Canadian waters, or the parties have agreed the federal court is to have jurisdiction. This does not apply in counterclaims or actions in which some other action has already been commenced in the federal court. In some of the bases of jurisdiction listed under Section 22 of the Act, the right to exercise jurisdiction in REM is limited to situations in which the beneficial owner of the subject of the action when the matter is commenced was the beneficial owner when the cause of action arose. Section 43.7 of the Federal Courts Act creates an exception where actions in REM cannot be commenced. The section states no action can be commenced in Canada against any warship, Coast Guard ship or police vessel, any ship owned or operated by Canada or a province, or any cargo laden thereon where the ship is engaged on government service, or any ship owned or operated by a sovereign power other than Canada, or any cargo laden thereon, with respect to any claim where, at the time the claim arises or the action is commenced, the ship is being used exclusively for non-commercial governmental purposes. A warrant may be issued for the arrest of a foreign ship, provided the ship is within the territorial jurisdiction of the court. An action in REM does not necessarily result in a judgment in REM as the owner of the ship may enter a personal appearance and thus submit to the jurisdiction of the court. This is usually the case when the plaintiff threatens to arrest the rees and the owner arranges for bail or other security to be given. When the owner enters an appearance the action in REM becomes one in personam and the defendant's liability is not limited to the value of the rees or the amount of the bail or security he or she has given. However, a plaintiff, having arrested a vessel, is entitled to security in an amount sufficient to cover the reasonably arguable best case, together with interest and costs, capped at the value of the wrongdoing vessel. The important remedies available from the federal court to secure assets pending the resolution of a dispute and to operate in REM may be significant in weighing the suitability of alternative fora in a motion for a stay based on form non-convenience. Canadian courts will not entertain actions against foreign ships in Canadian ports that seek to relitigate matters already decided by competent courts, but the authority of Canadian courts to issue maritime liens over ships arrested in Canadian waters will not be affected by orders of Canadian bankruptcy courts directing the proceeds of the sale to be paid to foreign trustees. Canadian courts can exercise discretion to decline jurisdiction over claims for wages where the accredited representative of the state to which the ship belongs objects to the exercise of jurisdiction. The court cannot acquire jurisdiction by consent of the parties if there is an absolute absence of jurisdiction in respect of the subject matter. Examples Some examples of Canadian and REM cases Baker Carver and Morell Incorporated v. Astoria D.C. Whitney v. The St. Clair Navigation Company 
Pakistan National Shipping Corporation v Canada. Caterpillar Overseas SA v Conmar Victory. United Nations v Atlantic Seaways Corporation. A quasi in rem legal action, Latin, as if against a thing, is a legal action based on property rights of a person absent from the jurisdiction. In the American legal system the state can assert power over an individual simply based on the fact that this individual has property, bank account, debt, share of stock, land, in the state. Quasi in rem jurisdiction does not have much function in the United States any longer. However, in very specific cases, quasi in rem jurisdiction can still be effective. A quasi in rem action is commonly used when jurisdiction over the defendant is unobtainable due to their absence from the state. Any judgment will affect only the property seized, as in personam jurisdiction is unobtainable. Of note, in a quasi in rem case the court may lack personal jurisdiction over the defendant, but it has jurisdiction over the defendant's property. The property could be seized to obtain a claim against the defendant. A judgment based on quasi in rem jurisdiction generally affects rights to the property only between the persons involved and does not bind the entire world as does a judgment based on jurisdiction in rem. The claim does not have to be related to the property seized, but the person must have minimum contacts with the forum state in order for jurisdiction to be proper. On June 24, 1977, in the case of Schaffer v. Heitner, the Supreme Court of the United States decided that the requirement that the circumstances giving rise to jurisdiction comply with the notion of fair play and substantial justice should apply to the quasi and rem jurisdiction questions. The Supreme Court significantly diminished the utility of the quasi and rem jurisdiction because if the case meets the minimum contacts, fair play and substantial justice tests, the action can be brought under the in personam jurisdiction. Quasi and rem jurisdiction, however, can still be an effective option to bring the lawsuit to a particular court because quasi-in-rem jurisdiction allows litigants to overcome limitations of the long-arm statute of a particular state. There are two types of quasi-in-rem jurisdiction. 1. Quasi-in-rem type 1, COM 1, and 2. Quasi-in-rem type 2, COM 2. In COM 1, a plaintiff sues to secure a pre-existing claim in the subject property. For example, actions that seek quiet title against another's claim to the property. In COM 2, the plaintiff has no pre-existing claim in the subject property. That is, the property rights of the owner are not in dispute, but rather the plaintiff seeks the property so that they may satisfy a separate claim. For example, a person who walks across another's real property and falls into an open pit might have no pre-existing claim regarding the property, but may initiate a COM 2 action to redress his injury. The Law School of America, The Law School of America the content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons Attribution, Share Alike License. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context.